2019 Summit Q&A replay, how do I fill the room when I perform seminars to attract clients with Alley Cats, episode 174. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today I bring to you another uh, it's, we're going to be doing these uh, bonus episodes for you. So this is a, a Q&A replay from the 2019 Law Firm Growth Summit. This is from the day four Q&A. Uh, was a nice long two-hour session. A uh, lot of great content, but we pulled this one question for you. And this question was posed by attorney Daniel Campen, and he wanted to know, uh, he was in business about six months uh, he was doing seminars for his business successfully. He wanted to know, how do I fill the room for these seminars? How do I attract more people uh, to to come to these events? Um, and the conversation from there uh, took a very different turn in the advice that he got. And I just want to share with you um, what Daniel's experience was after this. Okay, so uh, he attended the event. He went to the Q&A. He asked a question. He got an answer to the question. And then this is his testimonial for the Law Firm Growth Summit. The Law Firm Growth Summit was a great experience for me last year, and I had one of those aha moments during a Q&A session. It gave me some clarity on what I needed to do going into 2020, having no idea how the world was going to change. If I had not run into the Law Firm Growth Summit last year and started making progress on those things in January, my law firm would not have survived. Instead, I thrived and made 2020 my best year. So kudos to you, Daniel, for taking action and for getting results. But I want to just point out that the Law Firm Growth Summit, you never know what piece of it is going to be impactful for you. You never know what is the thing that's going to move the needle for you in your business. We have amazing speakers, amazing content. We've laid out an awesome program for you, and it's coming February 9th to the 11th, and tickets are free. So all you got to do is go to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com, sign up, and you can join us there. Now we're about to kick off this Q&A discussion. This is going to be a nice, short, and sweet episode for you. But before we do that, I'm just going to take a moment and uh, we'll hear a word from our sponsors. Let me share an exciting tool that I recently came across that is a game changer for law firms that bill hourly or by the project, otherwise known as flat fee billing. The 2020 Legal Trends Report published by Clio rates how important various items are in a client choosing your firm. You may be surprised to know that the third most important decision factor for someone choosing a lawyer is the ability to pay with a payment plan. The challenge that law firm owners face is the risk of a client not making good on that payment plan. Most attorneys don't offer payment plans because of that. The problem is now solved with LawFunder. LawFunder allows you to easily add a payment option to all your client invoices and retainer replenishment requests 
that does not require credit checks, applications, or any other complex process. The client's able to use their existing credit cards, allowing them to earn points and miles, access credit card specials on interest rates, and any other tools they use to manage their cash. When I saw this tool, I was blown away. Most importantly, it removes all the risk from the law firm and makes an easy and painless process to the payment process. So if you want to check off the box on one of the top factors in new client decisions, if you want to decrease your accounts receivable and get paid immediately, LawFunder is the solution. Go to LawFunder.com. That's LawFundAR.com forward slash Profit With Law to learn more. So I am a true solo. I broke off of a firm about six months ago, um, and I'm really trying to get things off the ground. Um, I'm doing some, or so I'm an estate planning attorney who specializes in special needs and um, elder care. Um, so I'm doing seminars, different locations. But the struggle I'm finding right now is essentially I know how to give the seminar. I think I've got a pretty good seminar in place. Um, the seminars I have done. I've gotten um, good turnover in terms of consultations and good retainers out of that. But getting people to the seminars is kind of the struggle I'm having. So some of the things that I've been looking at is working with um, other professionals in the community, CPAs, financial advisors, things like that, who already have built up client lists and seeing how I can work with them to allow them to market my seminar to their clients as a benefit that they're providing their clients by having me as an attorney come in and teach them about these types of things. Um, and I was just kind of trying to get your guys' thoughts on different ways to go about that and what you might recommend. So I'd love to, to just jump in here because this is exactly what we do at New Law Business Model. So I want to check in with some of your numbers. Um, what is your average fee per engagement? So it's very low. Um, when, I, when I heard you say that your average was 4,000, uh, my my jaw hit the floor. Um, I've worked with a couple of the other larger firms in the area, and I'll say theirs is around 35, and mine right now is around 15. Um, okay. So, so this I is know your, I need to raise those fees. Well, this yeah, it's, it's really your first challenge, because the truth is, is that you cannot build your practice on a $1,500 estate plan average fee and provide a good service and do the marketing that you need to do to reach the clients. It's just, it's, it's, it, the numbers don't work and you won't be able to serve your clients in a way that's truly meaningful for them and have a life um, while you do it, no matter how much, you know, how many, you won't be able to hire anybody to help you. It just does, that numbers, it just doesn't work. So um, yes to raising your fees. Um, in order to raise your fees, though, you're going to need to feel that you're really delivering a service that's worthy of those increased fees, not because you're competing with the big law firms in town, because you're not, but because you as a solo, small firm, um, relational practitioner is better than those big firms. So that's, that's, a, that's a really important piece there that you actually feel and know that you're delivering a better service. Does that sound like something would be exciting to you? Oh, absolutely. And that, that is part of the marketing I've been doing is I, I'm going to give you the relationship. I don't have any paralegals right now. So when you call, you're going to get, and I know that stuff that I need to pull off of my plate at some point in time. I'm just not there yet. Talking number is exactly where I am, but being able yeah. to talk to my clients and say, look, you're used to going to an attorney and you meet with the attorney that one time you meet with the rainmaker and then you never see them again. That's not who you're getting when you get me, that type of thing. Um, and that's been relatively successful, but still 
fees are not matching where they need to be. Yeah, there's better differentiators than you're going to get me when you call. I mean, one of the differentiators in my office was when you call, you're not going to get me on the phone. You're actually going to get one of my team members. And here's why that's better for you, because my team member is there as the client services director to totally support you so that when I'm meeting with other clients, you know, I'm taking care of um, their needs. You don't have to wait for me to be available to you. We've got a whole team that's here to support you. So you'll probably want to flip that differentiator um, down the road. Uh, I'm glad to hear that your presentations are going well and you're going from presentation to engaged client. I actually would like you to, to think about slowing down on your marketing. And that this is going to sound really counterintuitive because you say, wait, well, I need clients coming in. You actually don't need more clients coming in at an average fee of $1,500. What I would really recommend is that you focus on getting that um, uh, average fee up to $3,500, dollars $5,500, and then return to focusing on your marketing, knowing that, you've, that you're good at doing presentations. That's really fantastic. Once you've got an average fee of $3,545, dollars $5,500, now you can afford to fill the presentations using advertising and direct mail, which is really the fastest path. Our lawyers who are doing advertising and direct mail to fill their presentations are engaging between 12 to 15 new clients a month with just two presentations a month. Sometimes only two presentations every six weeks. Now it does cost them $5,000, let's say, to fill those presentations, but they're making $60,000 on the presentation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, which is the struggle that I've been having is with my fee structure the way it is, I don't have the, the assets to throw to marketing and things like that. So yeah. it's, it's figuring out how to get the clients to be able to make the money in order to reinvest because that was one takeaway I had from your presentation and um, just what you were saying. I, I am all about reinvesting in the firm, but I... I can't go into the red because I've got a family and my, I'm luckily in a spot where my wife is able to work and is supporting family while I get the business off the ground. But there's going to come a point where push has got to shut. Well, let me, let me challenge you there and suggest that you can and should go in the red, especially with a wife who's supporting you. When I started my law practice, I had two little kids at home. My husband was a stay at home dad. I did not have any savings in the bank. I used credit and I used it really wisely. I borrowed, you know, I, I, my dad died and he did um, uh, leave me about $50,000. I put all of that into the practice um, and uh, that, you know, built out my office space. And so I really want to encourage you, all of you, not to be afraid to go into the red. You went in, you might've gone into debt to go to law school but building your practice may require you to make an investment beyond the revenue coming in. But when you're doing it the right way, you'll be able to pay it back. It's, it's not an issue because you're building a profitable practice. If you think about, I, I like to think about a dentist. When a dentist comes out of dental school, they don't expect not to invest in building their practice. They invest probably something like $300,000 in equipment. Luckily, we don't have to do that. You're not gonna have to invest $300,000. But to think that you will not need to invest at each stage of your growth and that you'll just be able to do it out of revenue will always have you behind. So I want you to start to think about 
if I was going to go into the red, what would make it worth it? And how would I know that I have enough income coming in to pay back the debt? And I know that that is scary, but the idea of not going into debt is a consumer mindset. It is not a, it is not a business owner mindset. Successful business owners use all of the resources that they have available to them to go from the level that they're at to the next level, which always takes investment of capital. And you're a business owner now, so you've got to invest capital in your growth. And so I guess I will, I'll clarify. I misspoke when I said, I don't want to go into, I'm in the red right now. I, I have a, <laughs> a 0% credit card that, or I have a credit card that I was able to get a 0% rate right. on for a year. And so when I broke off of the other firm, I started bankrolling the business expenses on that. So I've got until next July to completely pay that off. Otherwise I start paying the God awful 25% rate or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But so that's kind of where I, six months in, I'm kind of going, how much more can I afford to put yeah. on here? knowing that I'm going to need, I must pay it off in six yeah. months. And then I got to figure out the financing in a different way. Yeah. Let me give one more, one more tip here on using credit. Um, and by the way, this is all coming from somebody who used credit the, the right way and the wrong way. I have been through personal bankruptcy. I have rebuilt since then. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've done it. I've seen the full range of of the credit path. And even after a personal bankruptcy, I still, that was in 2012, believe that credit is an extremely valuable resource, but I learned to do it in the right way. Um, one thing that's really important to know if you're using credit is that if you're using personal credit that reports on your personal credit score, what you wanna look at is actually shifting that and getting business credit, getting business credit. And the reason why is, is that you can get, uh, what you'll see is that if you use more than 35% of that credit card value, it hits your credit score. Now your credit score starts to go down. And if you want to access more credit, you're not able to. Uh, my cat's uh, wanting to get in on this conversation. Then you're not able to. In contrast, if you use business credit, and it's basically the same exact thing as applying for 0% interest credit cards, but um, with business in the name of your business, as opposed to in your personal name, now those credit cards will not report on your personal credit score. So you can use the full amount of the business credit, max it out without it hurting your personal credit score as long as you're making your payments. I actually have a webinar about this if you wanna watch it on um, one of our consumer-facing websites, creativebusinesslawyer.com. And it's about two-thirds of the way down the page. Um, it's called, it says something like, fund your business. Fund your business growth. And it will teach you the right way to use credit if you're going to use credit to grow the business so that it's not maxing out your personal credit cards that therefore dinging your credit score. But instead, you can transition that 0% to new 0% cards that are business credit cards. And first of all, you know, extend out some of the time that you have, um, but uh, also then not have it hurt your personal credit score. Does that make sense? Um, so it does. And I guess my next question or thought from that is, I've, I've been having trouble getting business credit, which doesn't make sense to me because I've got an 800 plus credit score. So. I don't have any problem getting personal credit cards at all, but mm. I've gone to a couple of different places seeking business credit cards, even if they were personally guaranteed, 
And for some reason, they won't give them to me in the name of the business. Um, yeah, watch watch that webinar. I've used this service that um, that I'm interviewing here in this webinar um, a couple times, and um, even yeah. So is, I've is that able- with is that with Fund and Grow? That's with Fund and Grow. Okay. Yep. You know about Fund and Grow. I sure do. I use them. Okay. So two recommendations there for Fund and Grow. One thing I will say, if you're going to use Fund and Grow, just use them for the credit card service. I hear they offer a whole bunch of other things. You don't need all the other things. Yeah. The reason that you're having difficulty with the business credit is because it's sometimes when when there's no credit for the business, the, the, the business, you know, it essentially doesn't exist. Um, it's, it's hard to get that first approval. Uh, but, but, uh, this is a, a, a company that does this for, you know, for a living and they, not only do they work on getting you, you know, they, first of all, they apply to a number of cards yeah. at the same time. Um, so you you know, chances are you're going to get a number of approvals, but at the same time, they also, um, they also will then contact the banks who approved you and they'll push them for a larger credit line. That's right. So as a consumer, you never think of doing that. Um, but I've gotten um, th- three separate rounds of over $50,000 in 0% credit from them yeah. uh, over, the, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so I'm with Ali that there is, you have to invest in your business to, to get it to grow. And it doesn't need to be on credit in other words, you could have saved $100,000 in the bank and that's what you're investing in the business. You don't have to be borrowing money if you have a place to get those assets. One, one thing I will say is, please don't take it out of retirement accounts um, <laughs> unless you're at the point where you've taken credit cards and credit cards and credit cards and now you just can't get any more and you're going into that stratosphere of percentage rates. But what I did want to talk about real quick from my perspective is what is a good use of credit and what is a bad use of credit when building your business? Because one of the things that could happen is you get access to this large line of credit and suddenly you feel like you could spend money and you end up spending money on things that are not making you money. The, the bad use of credit is first of all, trying to stay afloat. So if you have payroll and you're trying to meet payroll and now you're borrowing to meet payroll, that's a bad use of credit because you're pushing off a problem and you're not addressing it. Um, a good use of credit is taking money and, and investing it in something that's going to bring in more money than you're investing. So if you're spending money on an advertising campaign, that's going to fill a room with people who are going to then, some of them are going to buy your services and it's going to it's going to pay for itself. Essentially, what you're doing is, is you're just using the bank to fund your growth and you're able to then pay that back. Uh, the, the bad use of credit is when you're trying to limp by and pay for, pay for expenses that are not making you money because your business model is broken. Uh, you have to fix the business model. If you can't afford your rent, don't borrow money to pay for rent. Get out of that office. If you can't afford the payroll, don't borrow money to pay for the payroll. Fire your employee. You know, like, it, and it's, it's, it's a harsh thing to say, and it's a tough thing to say. You also need to assess if it's a really, really temporary problem. You know, if you're, you're just having a bad month, but your business is not broken, that's a different story. Uh, but essentially, most people who are struggling to make payroll, it's not just a bad month. It, they're, they're, they've gotten to a point where there's just not enough money coming in to support the overhead of the business. And all the credit's going to do is buy you a little bit of time, 
But if you didn't fix the problem, you'll be in the same place you started with all that debt on top of it. Uh, so I think that uh, understanding the right way to use it is the first step because otherwise you're just going to come back to us and say, what did you do to me? Six months ago, you told me to borrow money and now I did. And now we're like $100,000 in debt and I'm no better off than when I started. Uh, so I really think that you need to go into it with that understanding and that mindset. And you need to be more stingy with the money you're borrowing than with the money that you have in the bank account. Yeah, that's always, that's always been my mentality with money. Debt never makes me comfortable. So I have a hard time going into debt unless there's a clear plan on how to get out of it. Um, and in terms of expenses, I'm blessed right now in the fact that I have very low overhead because I have no employees. I work out of my house run a concierge practice. So I meet most of my clients at coffee shops or at their houses because most of them are in the elderly state, that type of stuff. Um, so it's certainly something that at some point in time in the future, I'll probably get an office. I'd love to hire staff. I'd love to do all those type of things, but I'm not in that spot yet. Do you see that the next step is to um, uh, learn how to engage clients at higher fees? Absolutely. That solves everything. I'm going to post something in the, in the, um, uh, Facebook group in the Facebook group for all of you that I, that, that hopefully um, for sure will help the estate planning lawyers uh, may, may help the other lawyers as well. It's, you know, some shifts that you can make in your intake and consultation process. And in there, you're going to actually see um, some details about our fee schedule so that you can start to look at that and, and see if, if some of that will make sense for you. Now, Allie, I'm going to ask this to you on behalf of Daniel. Yeah. Um, does it matter who your target clientele is as far as how much you can charge? Of course. Of course. Right. So, so do we know who Daniel is targeting? Can we address that? Well, Daniel, it sounds like Daniel's looking at serving the elder community and the special needs community. And Daniel, where are you located? Uh, south side of Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. So we you know, definitely have lawyers in Atlanta who are charging $3,545, $5,500. I have started to meet, you know, see some of the lawyers in our community who are um, uh, their clients are coming in and actually cannot afford higher fees. They just cannot afford higher fees. And so, um, Daniel, I wonder, um, I'm assuming that you're seeing what these folks have in the bank before they come in and meet with you? Uh, most of the time, not. You're not. Okay. So you've got some systems issues in general because one of the things that you definitely also want to be doing, and you'll see this in the report that I post on intake and initial consultations, is everybody before they come in to meet with you needs to do homework and they need to submit that homework to you so that you know what they have when they come in. And your entire initial consultation is all about really looking at their family dynamics. It's looking at their assets. It's looking at what the law, uh, you know, what, what is the state's plan for them if they do nothing. And then you're going to actually be able to see what sort of planning they can afford. And I'm not saying that you structure your fees based on what they can afford, but it will tell you actually reaching the right people. Because if you're people who truly cannot afford your services, that tells you then that you do have to shift the way that you're doing your marketing. But my guess is, is that in your, in your, you know, in the Atlanta area, the, the people that you, uh, you can absolutely reach people who have a home, they have life insurance, they've got some money in the bank, they have a, a, a good income, and they can afford $35, $45, $5,500 
to do the right thing for their family. Um, and so you, you should be able to be reaching people who need and can pay for those services. Yeah, I, I have two clients right now who I am 100% sure I could have doubled the fee for them and they would have not blinked an eye. Yeah. One of them, I, 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 because I asked for half up front and then half at the signing, um, I said, so this is, this is the fee. And she said, that's half of it, right? And before I even said anything, I said, no, that's, that's half of it. Or I mean, no, I said, no, that's the whole thing. And she's like, oh, she, she was clearly expecting about 3,500 and I came in at 1750. So. Yeah. So we have a whole process that was developed when I was in my practice that we've now taught to thousands of lawyers. We could probably turn this around for you the next time you have clients coming in. Um, so be in touch, continue to learn from us here at New Law Business Model. And um, this, is, this is a very easily solvable problem. Thank yeah, you very I, much. and I want to, Daniel, before we let you go, we're not letting you go so easily. I want to <laughs> add, I want to add on top of what Allie has been sharing with you as far as what, you know, what you charge. You had mentioned comparing to the firms that you came from and what these larger firms are charging. Understand that um, the, as long as you're comparing yourself to others, you're going to once again be pressing the brake and the gas at the same time. You have to assume that you're doing a good enough job in the marketing and the sales process and the intake process that you're attracting people who want you and the price is irrelevant. Now you get to set the price. You don't have to worry about people who are price shopping, especially if you're not doing PPC and you're doing advertising to uh, a event that you're putting on and you're talking in front of them. They're buying because you led them there to the table for something that they need and you're providing a solution. They're not going to start price shopping to see if you're the best deal in town. They already want to work with you. So the, what other people are charging should not be something that you're looking at. It's just going to hold you back from doing what you need to do and what's right for you. And with the right system, you actually can have your clients choosing their own fee. So anyway, I'm going to post uh, this report for you. I think it's going to help a lot. And I think, I think we can help you turn things around very, very quickly. You're already proven you're a great presenter. Yeah, you've got you've got a you've got a great practice coming in 2020. All right, Daniel, I'm excited for you. Thank you guys very much. This yeah. this unless you thank you for putting this on. This event has been incredibly valuable. Awesome, awesome. It, it's my pleasure. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.